Thank you for your time. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Merciful God and kind King, we praise your holy divine name and thank you. We thank you for helping us and for blessing us and keeping us, for bringing us to this hour of praise to your name. Help us, Lord God, in our worship to bring glory and honor to your name. Be with us in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank you and be that will. Amen. Mark chapter 3. Kind of an interesting title, the Minor Apostles. I'll talk to you more about that near the end of the lesson. James the Less, talked about him last week, and we're kind of finished with him, other than verse 18. We'll read that again in Mark chapter 3. And Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon, the zealot, which is using Mark 3.18, although it has James, the lesson there, the son of Alphaeus, just to introduce Thaddeus. Thaddeus, one of the apostles, and you'll find his name listed amongst all of the other apostles. He's known to us and by a few other things, but I think John chapter 14 is just to distinguish him out from another individual who was an apostle. And John 14 in verse 22, speaking of Thaddeus, he's called Judas, not Iscariot, right? So you don't get him confused with Judas Iscariot. So you go, okay, Lord, but what else do you want us to know about him? Well, there's not really a lot other than this verse that says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? And then Luke 6 and verse 16, this Thaddeus, also known as Judas, not Iscariot, is also known as Judas, the son of James. So Luke 6 and verse 16, and there the Bible says to us, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot became a traitor. Again, maybe the idea to keep him separated from Judas who betrayed the Lord, Judas Iscariot. Well, he preached in uh, a, a place called Adesus, and we don't know how he died, traditionally. The next one, Simon the Zealot, Luke chapter 6 and verse 15. Again, he's mentioned in all the Gospels when they mention the names of the apostles, but that's about it. Simon the Zealot was obviously one of those guys that maybe he kept the nickname Zealot because he was a, at some point a part of the uh, Zealots who tried to overthrow Rome. Right? And so in verse 15 of Luke chapter 6, and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, who was called Zealot. So he preached the gospel uh, in Africa and then Later in Britain, and there he was, he was killed in, in Britain. History says, tradition says, he too was crucified. Matthew 10. Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Bartholomew also listed in all four of the Gospels as an apostle. But John is the only one that gave him a different name. 
So Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, And having summoned his twelve disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And the name of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax gatherer, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. John 1. John chapter 1. John calls Bartholomew Nathaniel. Gives him a different name. Or, if you will, addresses him by the other name in which he uses. Verse 44 Actually, I'm going to 45. Philip and Nathaniel said to him, We have found him who is Moses, whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus the Nazarene, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. And the reason he said that is because uh, Nazareth and, and Galilee, that surrounding area, was, was not really a very good place, if you will. It was known by by history, tradition, as a wicked place or a low place. In verse 47, he has a conversation with Jesus. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no gall. Nathanael said to him, How did you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And yet, other than walking with Jesus, we, we don't know what he saw uniquely different from anyone else. And he said to him, verse 51, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Nathaniel, or Bartholomew, was a man uh, with no, no deceitfulness and no craftiness, if you will. A man of a, a good heart. Bartholomew was a man that was a true son of Abraham. When you think of Nathaniel, you think of this, this man that was uniquely different. And Nathaniel preached in India, and they, and they placed him in a sack later, and they threw him into the sea, and that's boy he was crucified. So tradition, you know, you really don't know what you can believe in tradition or what's true. And then turn to Acts chapter 1. Beginning in verse 20, there's a man who's mentioned one time and one time only. But he's an apostle. Right? Matthias. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his homestead be made desolate, and let no man dwell in it, and his office let another take. That's Judas. It is therefore necessary that of the men who accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these should become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they put forward two men, 
called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, who knowest the hearts of all men, show which one of these two thou hast chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go on his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. And so I call these the minor apostles, even though there's no such term as minor apostle. <laughs> you look at it, you go, why in the world would he say the minor? When we look at these men, we would say, well, you know, the Bible really doesn't give you a lot of information about these men. And so they were uh, maybe inferior, they were lesser apostles, they weren't as important as the other apostles, and none of that's true. None of that is, is true. In fact, I want you to think about, just for a moment, what is said, but it's not actually said. <laughs> uh, so, as they're trying to choose a man, they say in verse 21, it is therefore necessary that of the men who accompanied us all the time. So I'm just picking on Matthias for just a moment. All the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So Matthias is chosen because he was with Jesus all the time. And all of these apostles that we're speaking of were with Jesus all of the time. Beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us. That's his crucifixion. And one of these should become a witness with us of his resurrection. So imagine you were Jesus all the time, and yet there's not one time that Jesus mentions Matthias by name. Maybe he's one of the 70. Maybe We don't know. It's all these maybe, maybe, maybes that really don't matter what... What's important is, is that Matthias was very important to God. He went to Damascus, and later they say he was stoned and, and beheaded. But I want you to think about all of the apostles were together all the time with Jesus, beginning with John of the baptism and moving forward to his crucifixion all the way to Acts chapter 2. Which one's, which one's minor? They all did the same thing. They all worked together for the glory of God. We just don't have mentioned to us some of the things that they may have said or some of the things that maybe they have done. There's no such thing as a minor apostle. Listen, if you will, to verse 12. Acts chapter 1. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. These men, 11 at this moment, Matthias is there. 
These men were united. One mind. Seeking to glorify Jesus and not themselves. All of them equally joined together for the cause of Christ. And God, who shows no partiality, on the day of Pentecost, Matthias, who, Matthias, who just came on board, chapter 2, verse 1, received the Holy Spirit like everyone else. All the twelve were saved an equal amount of the Holy Spirit, and they all preached to the world on that day. In verse 1, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterances. And then Peter later stands up and tells us, there's only 11, right? 12, when you count Peter, that the Holy Spirit fell upon. They all stood up and they were proclaiming the excellencies of our great God. Equally important to the cause of Christ. Now let's switch the title from minor apostles to minor Christians. There's no such term in the whole Bible. There, there's no such thing in the Bible, as revealed to us from God, as a, as a minor Christian, every one of us are equally the same to God. Now here's a question. When we think about our relationship to God and the importance, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the importance of, of each member in the body of Christ, the question is, how well do we work together? The Bible says they were united and with one heart and one mind, devoting themselves in prayer. Are we of one heart and of one mind? When you think about the body of Christ, and you say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Maybe I haven't found my spot yet. Maybe I don't know what it is that God wants me to do. You know, the only way to discover it is you have to try things, right? God ain't going to talk to you and say, hey, Tony, this is what I want you to do. But you have to try things and you'll discover where your strengths and weaknesses are and where God places you or wants you in the body. But there's this one important verse in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 18 that makes, makes me look out into the audience and then you looking at me realizing that every single one of us are equally important in the cause of Christ. There's no minor Christian. Verse 18 says, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. Where does God want you to be? I mean, you have to ask yourself that question, right? You have to ask yourself, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then you have to try some things, right? Whether it be just maybe on Sunday, I just lead a prayer or wherever. This is my strength. And so wherever it is, that you have this strength through the week. Use that strength in Jesus. 
Use that gift that God has given you, recognizing that you're important, equally important in the body of Christ. He goes on to say in verse 22, On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our unseemly members come to have a more abundant seemliness. Whereas our seemly members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. See, what God is doing is God is, God is building the body up, right? And, and so, you know, here's what we know. What we know is this. I can't reach everyone. James cannot reach. In fact, we don't even, we don't even have the same kind of relationship with everyone, right? And, and you don't have the same with me, and I don't have the same. And there are people that you can talk to that I could never talk to. And there are people that James could talk to I could never. I mean, I could have small talk, and I could have a Bible study, but it wouldn't be the same kind of conversation that it might be with someone else. Everyone in the body is equally important. And it goes on to say, whereas our seemingly members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. That there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is, is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so imagine for just a moment that Matthias, on day one, suffered. All the members, all of the apostles suffered with him. They didn't say, oh, you know, but you're new, Matthias. No. No, they didn't do that. And in verse 27, he kind of wraps it up. Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. And so you know the first Corinthians 12, it's all about, you know, what's, in, what's important, you know, what can you go without in your body? And we understand there's nothing. The answer is nothing. I need it all. Romans chapter 12. When we begin to see ourselves as unimportant in the body, the body becomes weaker. When we deem others as less important and valuable, the body becomes weaker. The body is, is only as strong as its weakest member. Now I know that it's in God, and I understand it's in Christ, but as a body of believers in Christ, if, if we start picking and choosing who's important and who isn't, we're going to find ourselves in big trouble. But instead, the body, the body and every member of it, each of us, are equally important to our God for His purpose. And in Romans 12 and verse 3, For though or through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Thank you, God. Thank you. From all of us. 
For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. So when I think about it, the apostles, they didn't have the same function. I mean, they had the overall, overarching function was to, to bring glory and honor to God and to, to carry the message to the world and there are other things that they will do. But it wasn't important to these men that Jesus, by way of inspiration, the Holy Spirit, by way of inspiration, adds their name on the pages and says, oh, and by the way, let me tell you what else Nathaniel did. That wasn't important to them. Sometimes that becomes a little too much or too important to us. But God has this way of, of ensuring that we understand that every member has a specific function in the body of Christ. And if I focus on my function, what God has given to me, and you focus on your function, church, we are immovable, unstoppable powerhouse of God if everybody does their part. The question tonight is, are you doing your part even if you're unnamed, if you will? Verse 5, verse 4 rather. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with his liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I mean, he goes on with this list. What is your gift? And whatever it is, do it. And do it well for the cause of Christ. And watch the body work the way it's supposed to. Right? No such thing as a minor Christian. There's no such thing as a minor apostle. Psalm chapter 135, please. So the question tonight is, when I, when I think about my relationship individually, independently to the Lord. What is it that God wants from me individually? And how can I do that work to the glory of God to honor His name and to benefit the body of Christ? Last scripture. Psalm 135, verse 5 and 6. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all the deeps. What if we all said, God, use me in a way that you see fit because you placed me in the body exactly where you wanted me to be. The lesson is yours tonight. In your relationship to Christ, are you allowing God to use you exactly where He wants you to be? To do exactly what He wants you to do? And I love the scripture in Romans 12 when it says, if, it, if, if encouragement, if that's your job, 
do it well. Everybody loves to be encouraged, right? What a job. What an amazing gift. What is your gift? It's not if you're not a Christian. We invite you to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism and allow God, the Holy Spirit, to give you a gift so you can be beneficial in the kingdom of Christ. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Over all the earth you reign on high Every mountain stream and every sunset sky But my one request, my only aim Is that you reign in me again Lord, reign in me, reign in your power Over all my dreams, in my darkest hour You are the Lord of all I am So won't you reign in me again Over every thought, over every word May my life reflect the beauty of my Lord more to me than any earthly thing. So won't you pray 